0: This is Exchange at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And today, I'm joined by Zach Pandel, co-head of the Global Foreign Exchange Interest Rates and Emerging Markets Strategy in Goldman Sachs Research. Zach and his team have a new report out called Revenge of the $2. And today, we'll hear his views on the strength of the US dollar compared to some foreign currencies. Zach, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jake. So let's set the stage. Talk about where the dollar was compared to other foreign currencies as we came into the year 2020.
1: Yeah, So the the dollar started this year on very strong footing. Really, you've come from a five-year period in which US asset markets have substantially outperformed the rest of the world. So the Federal Reserve went on a rate-hiking cycle, whereas the rest of the world kept rates at a negative place. And US corporate earnings have substantially outperformed as well, led by the mega cap tech stocks that dominate the US markets. On top of that, the dollar has always this sort of safe haven appeal that has helped support the currency's valuation through things like the trade war last year. So all of these factors have driven a lot of portfolio flows from around the world into US markets over the last five years or so and raised the dollar's valuation quite substantially. So even so much so that there has been an on-again, off-again debate about whether the U.S. government should take active steps to try to intervene and weaken the dollar's value. So you know, we always have this sort of question about whether we want a strong dollar in the United States, but you know, we've certainly had one in the last couple
0: of years. Okay, so how did coronavirus and the onset of that affect U.S. dollar, and what's your outlook for the greenback today and going forward?
1: So the crisis really had two... You know, almost contradictory effects on the dollar. On the one hand, it raised the dollar's value quite substantially. So the dollar kind of went straight up in markets during the the big equity drawdown at the outset of the crisis. So it helped raise the dollar's value further beyond where we started the year. But on the other hand, the the crisis has also caused the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates down around to their lower bound. So the high level of rates relative to other markets has been one thing holding up the dollar's value in recent years, and now that's gone away. So on the one hand, you have more dollar strength. On the other hand, one of the key fundamental factors supporting that strength has gone away. So I think you put those two things together, and I think it's fair to say that the crisis has made the U.S. currency look quite a bit more vulnerable. Now, until recently, we hadn't really been ready to recommend that investors expressed that views in portfolios. So these things were true in March. The Fed had already cut down to zero, and the dollar was very expensive. But we were generally discouraging investors from putting dollar shorts or going long other currencies in portfolios. And the reason for that is that the dollar is a counter-cyclical asset or a safe haven asset. It tends to go up in bad times and down in good times. So we needed to have more confidence that the global economy really was seeing a sustainable recovery before recommending active dollar shorts in portfolios. We think that that condition has been met now, and we've become more vocal about encouraging investors to position for dollar weakness in portfolios today. Now, I would say that because of the dollar's high valuation, Perhaps you know 20% or so overvalued at the highs in March and April. The downside could be fairly substantial if a trend develops, because you are studying from this high valuation. So our outlook for the dollar would be that you know fundamentals for the US currency look pretty poor. Valuations are high, and you have a kind of classic recipe for sustained weakness. So we would be fairly negative on the dollar, especially if. Uh, The global economy has a fairly robust recovery over the next few quarters.
0: Well, in the meantime, there's obviously been some concern about a second wave outbreak in the US, and yet the dollar has strengthened. Why is the US currency appreciating on what look like very US centric risks?
1: Yeah, that would be a surprising outcome for most currencies, but this is actually a fairly typical pattern for the dollar. And we think it reflects the US currency's unique global role. In fact, we we usually encourage investors to think about there really being two dollars. There's a kind of domestic dollar, which behaves like any other currency. But there's also this international dimension to the dollar, which is unique. The U.S. currency denominates quite a lot of goods and assets outside of its home country, outside of the United States. So, for example, the U.S. economy maybe is something like one-fifth of the global economy. But the dollar accounts for something like 60% of global foreign exchange reserves. It's usually the currency of choice for cross border lending and global trade. And treasuries are the world's primary safe haven asset. And about half of the treasury market is also held by overseas investors. So the dollar has this international dimension that's unique. And we think that these features are what cause the correlation that we observe in markets. The dollar tends to go up in bad times, down in good times, reflecting its international role. So even when the risks that markets are concerned about are beginning in the United States, if they're big enough and they affect the global economic outlook or investor risk appetite, they can paradoxically raise the dollar's value. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing recently.
0: Yep, makes sense. Given the, the dollar's vulnerability and the potential for some degradation there, what major currencies do you think will drive dollar weakness over the quarters ahead?
1: Currency markets are always a relative value asset class. So it is, of course, the right question to say, you know, if the dollar is going to go down, what's going to go up? And I think among the smaller currencies, There are a number of candidates, actually. But among the major currencies, I really think that it's a question about the euro at this stage. And our view would be that in addition to there being a bear case for the U.S. dollar, there is a bull case for the euro. I would highlight three things. The first is that the euro is very cheap. So the dollar is expensive. The euro is cheap. We would put long-run fair value for the euro-dollar exchange rate around 130. So today around 112, you are deeply undervalued. And we see that reflected in conventional things like the Europe, euro area's large trade surplus and its otherwise strong balance of payments picture. So the euro area does you know, seem to show the classic signs of very competitively valued exchange rate, a cheap exchange rate. Second, we think that the euro area is likely to have a steeper and smoother recovery from the coronavirus recession than the United States. In part, that reflects the deep hole that Europe is coming from, but it also reflects better virus control. We've seen the reopening process proceed pretty steadily in Europe with limited effects on the outbreak. So a more successful reopening process, we think, may mean a little bit faster European growth over the coming quarters. Lastly, through the crisis, we have seen some important structural changes in Europe's fiscal architecture that I think are very important to recognize in particular the recovery fund the proposal from europe from germany and france is a big step forward to more fiscal risk sharing more burden sharing across the euro area which had been a feature that many observers had criticized and many investors had pointed to as reasons to be reluctant to be long european assets on a structural set so europe's fiscal architecture is kind of coming together during the crisis and we think that that's an important factor to remove tail risks for the common currency so Cheap valuation, more cyclical upside, reduced tail risk. I think you put those together and the euro area picture looks relatively attractive. We think more upside than downside risk for the euro currency.
0: So you've talked to a lot of investors around these views. Are you getting any pushback from active investors on your views on the euro versus the dollar?
1: Yes, I think that, you know, there these views do resonate to a degree with many investors, but we certainly get plenty of pushback as well, and I would say that's primarily from equity investors at this point. Many equity investors, you know, look backward and see the really substantial US market outperformance and US earnings growth, outperformance compared to Europe over the last Five or more years and question whether European companies really have the capacity to outperform on a sustained basis the U.S. firms. So that's really where a lot of the debate is among international investors at the moment is whether European corporate earnings can keep pace or outperform U.S. corporate earnings. We think that's a possibility. We've warmed up. Our equity strategists have warmed up on the case for European stocks relative to the U.S. market. But I would say that's really where a lot of the pushback and debate is in currency markets today.
0: So before COVID hit, all we talked about in a lot of these conversations was the U.S. election. That's faded a little bit in significance for investors, but it is coming to the forefront again now as the risks around COVID become at least clearer. How might the outcome of the U.S. election affect currency markets? This is definitely
1: getting more attention in currency markets today. And we would highlight a couple of specific policy proposals or trends that could affect the dollar or other currencies. The first is the corporate tax rate, which is in focus across a lot of markets, but including currency markets. If U.S. corporate tax rates go up, if we hold all else equal, that would make U.S. shares a little bit less attractive on a relative basis to their international peers, and that could have some implications for the dollar. The dollar strengthened late 2017 as the corporate tax bill was being passed and moving towards passage in, in late 2017. So if we see the reverse of that over the coming years, that could lead to some at least temporary dollar weakness on the back of that. The second topic is really around tariffs. You know, the disputes between the United States and China, I don't think anybody thinks are really going away in a longer term sense. But Vice President Biden does seem to have a lower appetite for using tariffs specifically than President Trump. So we do think that in a Biden administration, tariffs that have been imposed on China, and maybe other tariffs as well, could be rolled back. And that would tend to be a positive for the Chinese yuan relative to the dollar, as well as other sort of China-sensitive currencies, for example, like the Taiwan dollar. Lastly, I think one big picture point is worth mentioning. You know, currency markets are partly affected by the United States' role in the world. The world holds a lot of dollars, reflecting the United States' historical role in the world. If that's undergoing change, then that could have currency market implications. So in recent years, we have seen these efforts towards de dollarization reflecting this trend countries trying to find a way to have fewer dollars in their foreign exchange reserves fewer dollars in their cross border trade etc in a second trump term where the us is pulling back from some international institutions and changing the way that its posture in the world we could see those efforts continue and that may have some dollar implications in the long run so we do think that the election is a potentially important factor for the us currency in my view, that the tariffs issue is probably the most direct and meaningful for investors over the next couple of quarters.
0: All right, Zach. Well, lots of talk of de-dollarization over the years and yet never seems to really get that much momentum. Well, Zach, thanks for joining us today. A fascinating discussion. Thanks for having me. That concludes this episode of Exchange to Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And please tune in Friday for our weekly markets update. Where leaders around the firm provide a quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. Thanks for listening.
2: All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part.